Chapter Two of Dave Dawson on Guadalcanal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dave Dawson on Guadalcanal by Robert Sidney Bowen. Chapter Two Aces Don't Miss. Maybe Tojo wasn't obliging the Flying Fortress's commander but six Jap Zero pilots most certainly were. As Dawson leaped to a pair of waist guns and peered to port, he saw the six Zeros propelling down like six bullet-spitting maniacs. Steadying himself, he trained his guns on the leading plane and fired. His tracer streaked out and seemed to be cutting the Zeros' left wing in two. But the Jack craft continued to come boiling in, at the big four-engine bomber. Lumps of lead began to bounce and jounce around in Dave's stomach. The pilot of that leading Zero seemed to be bulletproof. He also seemed to have but one thought in his head, to keep right on thundering down and ram the flying fortress in mid-air. But cold fear was Dawson's for only a brief instant. He corrected his aim and let fly again with his guns. This time, the Zero was out of luck. It took the full fury of Dawson's fire, seemed to stagger in the air for a moment, before it blew up in a cloud of orange flame and smoke, and went showering down out of sight. One for our side, Dawson shouted happily. Now! The chattering yammer of Freddy Farmer's guns in the slot above him cut off the rest of Dawson's words, and in practically the same instant, the second Zero spouted black smoke and then nosed over to go hurtling straight downward, tracing its path of doom straight to the surface of the Indian Ocean. My err, Dawson bellowed. I meant two for our side. Nice going, Freddy. Of course the English-born air ace didn't hear him, because all of the fortress's guns were hammering death and destruction into the four remaining Zeros. In less time than it takes to tell about it, there were only two zeros left, then only one. And then as Dawson got off a perfect deflection burst, there weren't any zeros left in that section of the sky. And that's that, Dave panted, as he searched the sun-tinted air. Six for six, not bad. It was almost fun while it lasted. It, well, strike me pink, as Freddy would say. He had happened to glance down at his shirt to see that his silver Air Force's pilot wings were not pinned in place above the left pocket flap. His decoration ribbons were there, but no wings. Where they had been was a nice clean tear in the material. Pop-eyed, he stared at the tear, and then impulsively looked down at the compartment floorboards. And there they were, his wings but not as he had ever seen them before. In a few words, they looked as if they had been run over by an express train, or better still, as if they had been accidentally dropped into a meat grinder. They were twisted all out of shape, and there was a deep smooth groove right across the middle, from one wingtip to the other wingtip. And as Dave stared at them and leaned over to pick them up, a twitch of pain passed across his upper left chest. 
and I didn't even feel that Jap bullet, he gulped, and fingered the bullet-creased wings. But, boy, that was too darn close. What was too close, Dave? Freddy Farmer's voice spoke at his elbow. Dawson held out the bullet-creased wings for Freddy to see. One of those birds was a sharpshooter, he said, with a mirthless chuckle. Only not quite sharp enough, thank my lucky stars. Kind of close, huh? Freddy Farmer's eyes widened, and for a moment all he could do was stare at the damaged wings and at the torn space on Dave's shirt where they had been. Good grief, I can hardly believe it, he finally gasped. It's, it's a miracle, Dave. You should be dead by rights, you know. Thanks. I like it better this way, Dawson replied grimly, and dropped the wings into his pocket. If I believed in signs, I'd take this to mean that it was only the beginning of something. And now that I come to think of it, I wonder if it is. Rubbish, Freddy Farmer snorted. It's a sign, all right, but it's a sign of how blasted lucky you always are. Sure, Dawson growled, also a sign that I've got to fork out dough for a new pair. And, no, by gosh, I won't. The pin on these is okay. So darned if I won't wear them for continued luck. I'll... He cut off the rest as Captain Banks came hurrying into the compartment. The worry on the bomber commander's face faded as soon as he laid eyes on the pair. You two okay, huh? Thank God, he grunted. Well, then I can ball you out. What's the big idea, anyway? Didn't you stop to remember that there's eight other guys on the sky wagon? Huh, Skipper? Dawson echoed. Come again? Six nice juicy zeros, Captain Banks said, with tears in his voice. Six of them. And what happens? You birds nail four of them between you. It ain't right. There should be a law against birds like you, cheating us war-starved ferry crews, out of a look at the war. Kidding aside, though, fellows, thanks. And how? Those zero rats don't waste much time giving you the works, do they? And my heart was choking me when I thought that one of them was going to ram us. Wonder I didn't put this old baby in a power spin. I... Hey, what happened to your wings, Dawson? You've been teething on them? They dropped off, and Farmer stepped on them, before I could pick them up, Dawson grinned. Look at his big feet, if you don't believe me. But speaking of other things, Skipper, how long before we get in? The fortress commander glanced at his wristwatch and pursed his lips. Twenty minutes, he said, unless we run into more zeros, and I hope we do. But hey, those jobs were pretty far out to sea, now that I come to think of it. Too far, Dave told him quietly. My guess is that they were carrier-based. This is your usual ferry course from India to Australia, isn't it? Check. And I get your thought, the pilot nodded, as his face became grave. You think maybe the Japs have sent out a carrier force to cut a hole in our air supply route, huh? Could be, Dawson shrugged. I wouldn't want to bet against it, anyway. And, well, skip it. No, the other said. Go on and say the rest of it. Well, if I were flying this job, Dawson replied with half a grin, I think that right now I'd give those four right cyclones you've got a chance to show what they can do. But after all, I'm strictly a safety-first guy, Skipper. 
That makes two of us, Banks said quickly. Anyway, my job is to get these babies to Australia for other guys to use, so I'll just stick to my knitting, I reckon. Okay, fellas, hang on to your hats. I'm going to cut that twenty minutes to fifteen, at least. And again, thanks for that job on the zeros. The Flying Fortress commander not only called the turn, but made good. Just ten minutes later the west coast of Australia was sighted, and five minutes after that the big four-engine job, being ferried out to the South Pacific to play its part in the war, was tooled down to an expert landing on the Air Force's constructed field on the outskirts of the city of Broome. Dave and Freddy gathered up their small compact kit bags and climbed out with the rest of the crew onto the ground. There they intended to bid goodbye to the others, but before either one of them could open his mouth, a jeep streaked out from the hangar line and a staff major popped out of it like a pea out of a split pod. Captains Dawson and Farmer, he barked and looked hard at Dave. I'm Dawson, sir, replied Dave with a nod, and this is Captain Farmer. Very good, the senior officer snapped. Come along, then. Get into the car quickly. Your plane is waiting. Maps and weather charts are in the pits. Come on, snap it up. A flash of resentment